If you'd turn your Bibles, please, to 15th chapter of Luke. We're going to go through verses 1 through 7 this morning. It's, uh, it's called the parable of the lost sheep. I'd like to introduce it by giving you the setting why this parable was given by the Lord Jesus. And he said this, the tax collectors and the sinners were all drawing near to hearing. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners, and he eats with them. Well, Luke 15 is a unique chapter. It's got three parables in it, and all three of them are about things that are lost. What we've got in this first one is that the tax collectors and sinners were drawing near. They wanted to come close to Jesus and capture what he was saying, whereas Present also were a group of Pharisees and scribes, teachers of the law, and they were grumbling, grumbling in the midst of what Jesus was saying. They were grumbling because of the kind of people he associated with. They were offended about sinners being near Jesus. Now I'd like to, I'd like to qualify something before we go too deep in this. We see that that name given by the Pharisees there, they were sinners. And one might think that they were robbers, rapists, murderers, and all sorts of things like that. However, the scripture teaches us that in reality, most of the ones that were sinners in the gospel stories were just folks like you and me. They were people trying to provide for their family and live, make a living, but the one thing that stood out for them was that they were unable due to the struggle of trying to provide a living for themselves to keep all the hundreds of little ceremonial laws that the Pharisees had codified and, and uh, incorporated into being a good, good Jew. They weren't sinners in the way that we think of them normally. They were people that did not have the resources or the time to stop working for a living and and keep all of these washings and baptisms and things that the Pharisees had come up with. Now notice, these people want to be near Jesus. They, they are there and they're drawing near to him. They want to hear what he has to say. And hopefully it's going to be better news than what the Pharisees have to say. I want to say something interesting about reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You might file this away for future reference. Any time that you have the Pharisees appear in the gospel stories, visualize in your mind a stop sign. Stop and pay attention to what the Holy Spirit is saying. Now, I know there might have been a few good Pharisees, and I don't want to condemn the whole lot, if you will. But I'm telling you, when the Holy Spirit brings Pharisees into the gospel stories, usually there is a message there, a word of God for us to pay attention to. Just something for later reference. So let's go on. Verse three says, so he told them this parable. Jesus had witnessed these Pharisees grumbling about common people wanting to be near Jesus. And so his response was to teach them a parable. So he told them a parable. He is Jesus and them is two different groups of people. One of those groups is the Pharisees and scribes. The other group 
are the sinners, the, uncom the common people that did not qualify in their eyes. Now he tells them a parable. And this is very interesting. It's interesting that the Lord Jesus Christ commonly used parables to teach the crowds. And he did it for many reasons. A parable literally in the original means to set something alongside something else. It's a common life story that's set alongside a spiritual truth. Someone has said that a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Well, this parable that Jesus teaches us this morning is going to teach us about God's attitude toward lost sinners. It had already been revealed in that he was associating with them in chapter 15 and he was eating with them. So we've already got that perspective. The parable is going to illustrate the heart of God toward those that are lost and far from God. What we're going to find is that God pursues and seeks the lost. He is a seeker of those that are lost. He goes after those that are lost. I remember when Drew first came to be our lead teaching pastor and he was giving us a vision for the future of our church. And one of the phrases he used when he was talking about the lost or those that are far from God is saying, let's go get them. And I appreciated that at that time because it illustrates what this parable is going to reveal to us about that's exactly what God does. Verse four, here's the parable. Jesus says, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he's lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. Before I go any further, there might have been some of you that tuned out right at this point, being compared to sheep. Some of you might have taken offense that you are not to be compared to a sheep. I just want to refresh you briefly with a survey of the Bible because it constantly refers to us as sheep. The 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. Isaiah 53, 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. Psalms 100 verse three, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Matthew 9, 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. John 10, four, and when the good shepherd brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. I could go on and on. The Lord chooses to compare us to sheep. Now there are some here that need to rephrase this. They just can't get over being called a sheep. So I would encourage those of you that are dog or cat lovers <laughs> to insert your meaning there. Cutting horses will do goldfish, parakeets, I don't care. The point is talking about what Jesus is like when he's in the presence of someone that is lost, a lost sinner. 
And he says, what man, he's, he's, he's there and he's, it's, he's incredulous. What man or woman, when they've lost something dear and near to their heart, don't drop everything and go out and find it. It's like he's saying, show me a man or, or a woman that does not go after something that is precious, that is lost from them. And I think the answer is, is clear. None of us would hesitate to go after someone that's lost. Now I wanna talk about lost here because this is important. The lost sheep in this instance, this parable, if you will, it's, it's interesting because here, the Bible talks about people that are far from God as being lost. We would tend in our vocabulary to say unsaved, but the scripture uses the word lost and I think it's important. Lost is a very empty and hopeless word when it's talking about a human being. It's a bleak word when you're talking about people. The term lost is used in the Bible to those that have not found eternal life in Jesus Christ. Jesus said himself, the son of man has come to seek and save those that are lost. Many years ago, I took my family to California to go to Disney World, or Disneyland, rather. And one of the days, we went to Knott's Berry Farm. It was Beverly and I and my three children. My youngest daughter was probably five, if memory serves. And it was very crowded. We were in a walkway going down, seeing all the sights, and people were pushing and shoving. and. Uh, we suddenly looked down and our youngest daughter was gone. And we were in the presence of hundreds of people, all pressing, all busy going their way. And to this day, I remember the, pan <clears throat> the panic and the fear that jumped into my heart, realizing that my daughter was not safe, she was not with me, and I didn't know where she was. And Beverly and I turned around and frantically started working our way backwards through the crowd. Fortunately, the crowd opened up and there was this dear woman standing there holding my daughter's hand. But I imagine all sorts of things that could have happened to her. And I still remember it. It's a terrible thing to talk about the word lost when we're referring to people as the scriptures do. People can become lost from God by not obeying his word by sin. We can wander away, get out from under the influence of the word of God, the church. Perhaps we're someone in the community that frankly has never heard the gospel, has no idea what God requires and what, what God offers. That's the people that are drawing near Jesus here. The parable teaches us that Jesus actively seeks out sinners, or if you will, lost people. 
He actively does. There are other shepherds in this world that do not seek out the lost. And if they do, they lead them astray. If I may, looking at verse four, I'd like to point out to you the truth that it is Jesus who finds the sinner, not vice versa. I've heard testimonies from many Christians all of my life. I've done it myself. When you give your testimony, you talk about, I accepted Jesus and I found Jesus and other phraseology such as that. And on a limited scale of truth, that's acceptable and it's okay. There's a bit of truth there. But friends, the truth of the matter is that it is a good shepherd that finds us. But God commends his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The impetus is always the savior coming to us, the shepherd looking for the lost sheep. And yes, we will have a testimony when we finally see his glory and we accept him and we repent of our sins place our confidence in him and walk with him the rest of our life. What a testimony that is. But once again, our testimony needs to be informed by what the word of God says. And that is the good shepherd drops everything and goes out into the wild to find that lost sheep. And that's you. And that's me. Dr. William Barclay said, a great Jewish scholar has admitted this, that the one absolutely new thing which Jesus taught men about God is that God actually searched for sinners. Think about it. Think about a world and a religion and a faith and a community where your concept of God was that he hated sinners, that he didn't care for them. And yet the Lord Jesus is teaching us here, I've got these lost people in my presence today and they're drawing near to hear me. And I want you to know that that's what I do. I seek after the lost. Verse five says, when he found that sheep, he laid it on his shoulders rejoicing. Now this one might be a little difficult for many of us to understand, it was for me. I looked it up found a New Testament scholar that explained in the Middle East, this is not uncommon. When they find a lost sheep, they place it behind their head on their shoulders where the four legs are in front and they can then either hold all four legs tightly or they can tie them and then walk that sheep back home. Well, a sheep, it is said, can weigh up to 100 pounds. That's quite a burden. But notice he doesn't mind, the shepherd doesn't, because it says he lays it on his shoulders and he rejoices. I can just picture that, the happiness of a sheep that this shepherd would have known by name. He would have loved it. Shepherds love their sheep and they protect them. I was amazed in preparing this message and studying this passage of scripture to find out something. This picture, and I hope you have it in your mind's eye of a shepherd with a sheep on his shoulders, holding his feet. 
As I say that, I was very surprised to learn that the ancient church pictured that image as a symbol for the faith at the same time that they selected the, the fish symbol. You all have seen the fish, Ixtmas, I believe it is. Well, we have the fish, we have the cross, but I don't ever see today in modern times the image of that shepherd with the sheep on his shoulders, but the early church did. As a matter of fact, they say between the first and fourth century, there were 88 frescoes done in the Roman catacombs of just that picture. Our faith is our shepherd who has seeked us, found us, placed us on his shoulders and is carrying us home. As a matter of fact, there was a common prayer in the ancient church that asked for all the dead in Christ to be led to heaven, carried on the shoulders of the good shepherd. Going on, when the shepherd is holding a sheep in that fashion, it's hard to get lost. That sheep is not gonna run away again as long as the shepherd is holding its feet. Now, I don't wanna force the point or force the image, but Jesus said, I will give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hands. The good shepherd. The teaching is, the principle is, I think we can find here that we're not secure in our salvation, any of us, because of our grip on the good shepherd. And try as we might, we're gonna have days that we fail. But it's the grip of the good shepherd on us that the scriptures portray to us here. He's holding you. He chose you as his before time began, you. He came into this world to secure your salvation by shedding his blood upon a cross. Then he sent the Holy Spirit to pursue you and abide with you and dwell in you until he brings you home. I think we can learn from this parable that Jesus goes to great lengths to find lost sheep. He came from heaven, he says, to seek and save that which was lost. I think you'll agree with me that it conveys to us as well the sense that that's what we ought to be about too. That if he came to seek and save the lost, should we not? Verse six, when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors. And he says to them, rejoice with me for I've found my sheep that was lost. Here's that word rejoice again. The shepherd is happy. And it's not just because he's recovered a lost sheep. He loves that sheep. He rejoices because in his mind's eye, he can clearly and well understand that a lost sheep is subject to injury, starvation, or to perish by a wild beast. And we can 
take these, these truths about a, a man and his animal, and because Jesus placed that story within a parable in the Word of God, we can exposit from it the same sense that lost people are subject to starvation, fear, danger, illness, sickness, and ultimately eternal death. You know, verse six, when you look at it and you take it for face value, it seems as though the shepherd is over the top that he found that poor sheep. He's excited, he's rejoicing. He gets home and he calls all his friends and family to come over and says, look at this sheep that I found. It was lost and now it's found and it's with me. If you can go back to the beginning of our text this morning, you'll recall that the Pharisees and scribes were grumbling about these sinners being there. They were grumbling that they were interfering with their religion and they were blocking what they were trying to do to get near to Jesus themselves, but with no intent to love Jesus or to serve him or to find out what he was about. They were there to check him out, to critique him, to analyze what he was saying, to see if they could find some kind of blasphemy or whatnot. The sad thing is, looking at verse six, those Pharisees, those shepherds of Israel, they should have been the ones that were excited to see the sinners come near. They should have been the ones that were rejoicing that the lost sheep of Israel were drawing near, that this is their moment, here's our Messiah. But instead they were grumbling. And that's the lesson of this, this parable. They should have been ecstatic and supportive. They should have been happy to say, look at all these people that have come here today to listen to Jesus. And it's because they wanna know about the things of the Lord. Isn't that what we want? Isn't that what we expect and long for? Yet we find in these Pharisees the opposite. Jesus, when you read the four gospels, continually ministered to the sinners, so-called. We're all sinners, but in the biblical sense of the term in the New Testament, it means those that were unable to keep the ceremonial law for the most part unfortunate ones, but the Pharisees would say because he was near people like that, the unwashed, I hate to borrow from a political context, but they were the deplorables. And the Pharisees knew it. And they're saying, Jesus can't be from God because he's with all these people and we know that God doesn't like these people. So unfortunate. I know you know the Battle Hymn of the Republic. Julia Ward Howe penned uh, the, the poem, the Battle Hymn. And according to her daughter, 
One time she invited her friend, U.S. Senator Charles Sumner, to meet a rising young actor at a party at their house. He declined her invitation saying, I don't know that I should care to meet him. I have outlived my interest in individuals. And Julia later wrote in her diary, fortunately God Almighty has not. <laughs> Jesus loves people. Jesus' heart is to seek and save the lost. Verse seven says, just so, I tell you there'll be more joy in heaven over one sinner that repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. <clears throat> We're stepping up a little bit at this seventh verse. The context of course is a lost sheep and a shepherd at his humble house celebrating with family and friends. But you'll notice the Holy Spirit elevates the message into the kingdom of heaven. Suddenly we are not earthbound. We are lifted up into the presence of heaven, the dwelling place of God. A place that some might think is cut off and isolated and uncaring about what goes on in this world. But we do not have a deist God. We have a God that sees and cares what happens to lost people. Christ teaches us in verse seven that the Father, the angels, and I believe the dead in Christ, they see a lost sinner come home. And there's rejoicing over that. And here's the main lesson of this little parable. It's amazing how much Jesus can pack into five verses. But the main lesson is that a poor shepherd rejoicing over a real lost sheep is like the joy in heaven when a sinner is found by Jesus and given a heavenly home. God is happy when a lost sinner is saved. You see, these Pharisees believe God did not like sinners. A Pharisee never did sing just as I am without one plea. They wanted you to clean up your life, obey all the rules, and then maybe, just maybe, after you'd done all that, God would accept you. That is not what we're taught here. The lesson is twofold. Number one, to a Pharisee, to a self-righteous and prideful person that believes God does not care about the lost and lonely and unsaved, correction for you, big correction. Secondly, for those sinners that were drawing near to Jesus to try to get a word about truth, salvation, about their miserable lives, why they were lost, it is joy. Rejoicing in joy. There are four points to this sermon that I'd like to close with. 
Jesus possesses something valuable and he doesn't want to lose it. Number two, Jesus shows care for, by looking for that which is lost. Number three, Jesus rejoices when he finds that lost thing. And number four, each one that was found has an eternal value to Jesus. Shepherds love their sheep and Jesus loves people. We ought never forget that. He loves them and he seeks them. We have a wonderful short little lesson here about the lost sheep. We've got a lesson that condenses the meaning of life into five short verses. It is a lesson that encompasses the gospel of Jesus Christ that recognizing that we were all lost, that he was willing to die on a cross for our sin. The pathway for the good shepherd to recover the lost sheep is through the cross. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The parable teaches us that God cares about each and every lost sheep that is out there in this world, and we should too.